What are your boundaries? How do you stay true to them? Saying no to the things that do not serve you and saying yes to the things that do. That's what creates a happy life. Hey you, you're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Not Yet podcast, the multimedia project about self-discovery and really thinking about who you are and relishing in the joy of it. Today, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Julia Winch. And to give you the black and white version, (laughs) Julia is great. Can you say hi, Julia? Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Paige. Of course. I'm so thrilled for you to be here. For those of you who don't know who Julia is, she is the founder and CEO of the Authenticity Guide. She is a self-described recovering perfectionist, same, leadership and career coach, corporate trainer, and keynote speaker with a mission to enhance human connection and fulfillment at work and in life. You'll find her talking openly about combating imposter syndrome and shame at work, navigating difficult conversations with colleagues, and how passions and purpose change over time. How juicy, Julia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just gave everyone the black and white version of you, but uh, tell, tell us who you are. What's your story? Yeah. Well, at this very moment, my story is that I am babysitting a friend's dog who likes to squeak as her form of communication. So if you have a high, hear a high pitched squeak in the background, that's <laughs> Miss Miss Sheba, my friend Cynthia's baby. And my dog is loudly chewing a bone in the background. So talk about showing up authentically as you are. Uh, that's, that's my story at the current moment. Um, but more broadly, Paige, um, my career has taken kind of three major phases. The first phase was that I was um, a financial analyst uh, in a corporate setting in New York. The second phase was business school, uh, followed by uh, the intentional pursuit of a career in the social impact space. So impact investing and social impact consulting. And then the third and best, most aligned phase is my current phase, which is starting my company and getting to coach the most incredible leaders and emerging leaders and learning truly every day from them. Um, and I'm, I'm a thinker, I'm a writer, I'm a reader. And so I'm lucky that I get to think and synthesize many of my findings um, in my writing for Forbes, which is just kind of a great outlet for what I'm noticing out there in the world of corporate. I'm not in the world of corporate anymore, but uh, most of my clients are. And so I uh, absolutely love it. I never identified as an entrepreneur. And I don't know if that um, if that resonates for you at all, it resonates for, for a lot of people I speak to. Um, that was never an identity that I felt I could claim. And then once it happened, um, there was just this perfect alignment of of getting to execute on what I want, my desires, what I see the needs being and where strengths intersect with that. That sounds so beautiful. I hear, I hear leadership and its true essence, really thinking about what are your real strengths and how can you use them to serve others? And you're teaching that skill to others who are changing the world. So thanks for doing the Lord's work. (laughs) Thank you. And, you know, it was, I mean, you talk about journey, right? Like it was a journey to get here. Um, And, and it's a continuous journey, right? Like I think um, I had an amazing, I had a client yesterday have this sometimes clients hit you with this wisdom that just like hits you to your core. And she said something like over time, we have a a way of walking away from our truest selves. And, um, that hit, that hit real for me because I, for a long time was on this journey, um, of stepping in should and pursuing paths out of perceived impressiveness not because it was what drove me. 
And, um, right. Like this idea of starting my career in, in finance, um, yeah, I could, I could do it and could is very different from joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, time and time again, throughout my college career and my early career, really up into my thirties, I was ebbing and flowing. I always like to say my, um, like my Facebook relationship status with, uh, with should is it's complicated. <laughs> it's a continuous journey. Um, but, but yeah, it wasn't always a straight line to get to the authenticity. It was, um, it was a lot of continuous breakups with should. Oh, wow. On and on, on again, off again, relationship with should. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Should is like, oh, can we, can I swear on this podcast? Of course you can. Okay. Should is like my fuck boy. <laughs> it's like, I know oh, I shouldn't, but I look so back. good. Do I, but I feel so bad, but it feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's funny in here. Like, this, this feels comfortable. I know this path well. It's so poetic that you share that because this morning I was journaling on defining success for myself. And we hear so much external, um, so many external rules and systems about what success looks like, whether it is if you're in a relationship, if you're booed up or fiancéed, or, or if you are making a certain amount of money in your salary or making it in a certain way, or if you went to a certain school, or if you have done things at the quote unquote right time, whether that's having kids or starting your business, or there's so much should (laughs) and external definitions of success. But in order for me to build a life where I feel truly fulfilled and truly aligned with my purpose here. I need to think about the things that bring me genuine joy and build my life around those things. And uh, the hard thing about that is you have to figure out what you really want. That right there. That right there. Yeah. Uh, well, this seems so relevant to the work that you're doing, but before we jump in to wholehearted well-being, um, this is something, it's a little selfish of a question, but I'm very curious, what is the moment or the idea or the experience that you think really brought us together? Mm, it's not a selfish, selfish question. I think it's, um, it's a curiosity based question. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have antenna for inclusive people. And what I mean by that is when I'm in rooms filled with people, I feel a magnetic pull towards people who are doing the work of noticing other people and working to include them. And my antenna pointed straight towards you, Paige, because you, you know, we both were at this, this event, this event supporting a company that we both believe in wholeheartedly and have, have supported in different ways. So, you know, obviously mission alignment from being in the same room, but I didn't know anyone at this event. Um, and I, neither did I, <laughs> neither did you. Right. But we somehow sort of found each other. And I found you doing this thing where you were bringing people into conversations. You were calling, you were calling people in, you were calling people in, in this way that is actually really rare to see in public, I'm using quotes here, networking spaces, um, with a self-assuredness, um, a, a level of like calm confidence, curiosity, I'll use that word again, about other people. And, and there was a magnetic pull. I mean, I, I think that's the best way to describe why we met and why we're sitting here. <sighs> That's so lovely to hear because that's something I put a lot of focus and attention into. Uh, And also, that's a very similar reason why I felt drawn to you as well, because you, like we ran into each other a few times in that event Mm -hmm. um, organically. And every single time we were in a new sort of social setting with a new environment or a new group of people, you were the same person. Mm -hmm. You didn't like shape shift to adjust. You showed up as yourself and you were curious, and you asked questions, and you listened, and you, when you gave your input about something, it felt so genuine. I was like, wow, this person's 
a star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same to you, right? And like so much of, of good social skills and being inclusive is like not waiting for your turn to talk. And, and that's a superpower. And it's something that I advise leaders to do, right? As a leadership superpower, um, right? I, I mean, I was talking to this gentleman there who, you know, we were just chatting on the beer line and he, you know, I overheard him ask if there were any IPAs and there weren't, right? And it's like, and we talked for 10 minutes and the conversation came around to my husband's restaurant in Durham, East Cut Sandwich Bar, uh, just a small plug. And you know, <laughs> I was like, we've got lots of IPAs. And he, and he was like taken aback. He was like, oh, you remember that I asked for an IPA. And I'm like, yeah, well, me, I listen. I listened to you when you speak. And, right. I listened when you, when you spoke and like, not to say that like I'm a God or anything, but it's just, like, yeah, it's just, it's shifting that part of your brain to what do other people have to say, curiosity about their lives, their experiences, their desires. Um, because actually curiosity makes you far more interesting than being on output. Gosh. Can you say more about curiosity making you more interesting than producing? Yeah. Um, so I think far too often people conflate the idea of being interesting with monologuing or being on output or having novel ideas. And um, perhaps this is just a core value of mine because I was raised by a therapist. <laughs> um, but I find that the pursuit of learning more and being open to being moved, changed, educated, um, emotional in reaction to other living, breathing things like that's the stuff of life. Um, and so I actually, when I meet people who are curious, I just get that much more curious about them. Right. And it's like, I don't know, you, you want to take in the world around you. So to me, what you're telling me is you have a learning mindset. You have left judgment at the door. You're not looking for a microphone to talk about your achievements. Your goal is to learn from others. Um, and to me, there's also a confidence that I equate with active listening, right? I think, I mean, I, I'm sure you've worked with people like this. I, you know, working with people who just like espouse like their story and them and don't pause to listen, it, it feels very um, like covering for insecurities mm. and there's sort of like a panicked energy to it. And I think, you know, a lot of us succumb to that in nervous situations. Um, but there, to me, there's like a, a confidence and assuredness where I want to get to know someone more than they exhibit curiosity. I'm like, what are you about? You're a learner. Yeah, you're a learner. I do self-identify as a learner mm -hmm. <laughs> and an active listener. So you're definitely spot on. And I also, when you say that, I think about how when you open yourself up to hearing other people's stories or hearing other people's passions, they share it from a place of joy. And that could spark something in you that you didn't even know you had. Yeah. Yeah. We like the ability to react, right. To like what someone shares with you. Um, and even, and like, I believe there are gifts in all interactions, um, even if it leads nowhere. Right. But it's like, I think when we hold, so I was just giving this talk on authentic networking. This is a little bit of a non sequitur, but like, you know, in a lot we of- We could all hear, we could all yeah. gain from this. <laughs> right. So like, what is authentic networking? Obviously, like there, it's not a mind mindless exchange of business cards. And a lot of people will say it's about relationships. And I, and I, while I agree with that, I, thank you, Shiva. I would take that one step further. And I, I would say authentic networking is about considering other people considering other people, which, which sort of blows the idea, idea of a, like a passive relationship out of the water. It's considering other people. And the best networkers and connectors I know are people who think about other people. They spend their white space thinking about other people, how they can serve them, people popping into their minds and leaning mm. into that, right? It's people who will text me and say like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Or, hey, I read this article, right? Like, those people are not, like, in my first tier of best friends who I call when I'm going through a hard time. But they're people who, in my mind, are fucking excellent connectors and networkers because they're thinking of others constantly. Yeah, and the ability to think of others for a targeted 
like a targeted idea or an opportunity that's perfect for them, not only shows that you're listening to go back to what we were saying earlier, but also that you know yourself incredibly well because you know how you can serve others to the T and there's no wavering. There's no self-doubt. It's like, this is an opportunity for us to grow together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing more gratifying for me. I'm um, I'm Jewish. And so I love Yiddish words, like the idea of being a yenta to me, which is like, you picture an old, like Jewish woman with a babushka on, she's the matchmaker of the village. She's the yenta. And to me, there's nothing more gratifying than being a yenta in present day, like Paige, you need to meet my friend. Like, you know, there's, and, and then seeing the fruit of that relationship because you've actively listened and you understand what people need and want and how they want to move in the world. Like that's such a gratifying thing, right? To be able to make those kinds of rich introductions that are like based in thoughtfulness. Do you also self-identify as a yenta? One hundred thousand percent. Yeah. I have a, I have a whole collection of babushka <laughs> around with them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I love that so much. I love that you have such a strong sense of self, a strong sense of purpose, and a strong desire to authentically connect with others and yourself. And let's talk about wholehearted well-being. You know, you do a beautiful job of breaking down the components of a mindful life in your work at the Autism, excuse me, wow, Authenticity Guide. Tell me about these six key principles to holistic leadership. Like how did you build these in your own life before you started sharing them as a coach? Thank you for that question. Um, how did I build them? So, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is like inauthenticity is exhausting. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, we're touching on authenticity and sort of why, and I, and I would honestly just say it's because inauthenticity burned me the fuck out. And it was And it wasn't like the active pursuit of being inauthentic. It was just simply ignoring signals, right? It was autopilot. It was, this is impressive because other people perceive it to be impressive. And there's such a drain on your life force when you're walking away from your true self. And I, and I don't believe it happens overnight. I believe like it's a journey to walking away from yourself. And so it's a journey to walk back to yourself. Um, and, and that doesn't, I will say like, that doesn't necessarily mean like quit your job and start a business, right? That could mean just like aligning your work and your life more truly with what you value, not what someone else values, but what you value. Um, and so the way I came at these six categories um, is they're categories that I consider really intimately in my life. Um, and so, I mean, I think the, the first pillar is, is health, right? So, um, physical and mental health. And I'm heartened that the conversations around mental health and physical health have been increasing since the pandemic, because so many of us have been not okay. Um, and yeah, (laughs) yeah. And burnout is actually a mental health issue, Um, and so, you know, in a lot of my work, I think it's important as a coach to know when you're dealing with mental health issues. Like, I think a lot of coaches like to try to work with those. I am big on like, let's talk about what is holding you back from seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about how we're going to engage a whole team of people to be a resource for you and to help you. So health, um, nothing can really happen without health. Um, fun. Gotta love fun. Yeah. Like fun has to be a pillar. I just, um, like fun and play are such critical parts of my life. I'm someone who would always rather be with kids than adults because kids naturally just play. That's their natural state. They don't question it. Um, and so I have a dog and a very silly husband who helped me execute Mm -hmm. on that, that mission daily. A lot of laughter in our house. Um, what laughter and joy do is they take away some of the seriousness that we often attach to our work and things that go wrong at work has a way of, it's a natural de-escalation of emotional reactivity and it's powerful and healthy. And, and again, like this, the stuff of life, right? Like it's human connection and it's like joy and silliness. That's the stuff of life really. Um, Yeah. And also you can't really be creative without play. You can't be creative without playing. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and what does play look like inside your own mind with yourself, right? And, and with others, right? I mean, I, I think many of us can identify with the idea of like playing pretend by yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> right? and like, how cool was that? Right. Like I get to go on this adventure in my brain. Spoiler alert. You still get to go on adventures. And like, <laughs> you do that page when you journal, right? It's that's, true. that's part of what you're doing. Um, you're letting yourself explore and, and go wherever your mind takes you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, this is somewhat of a tangent, but feels very relevant. Um, mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and I felt so much anxiety in my body and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from or why I felt that way. I kept trying to intellectualize my embodied emotions, which doesn't ever work. Don't try it. (laughs) And, um, I, I chose to meditate I chose to meditate and I was like, hopefully if I just sit here, I'll process this as just an experience that will pass. And that was also me trying to intellectualize the solution. And, and maybe like 10 minutes in my brain was just going, it was not working. It was not working. And I was like, okay, I, I have to do something different. Um, and then I thought, what is something that I can do right now that is incredibly fun, that is incredibly fun, that is incredibly silly. Like I would laugh at myself for doing it and it will get me in my body. And I thought randomly, when's the last time I did a cartwheel? (laughs) (laughs) The answer to that question is probably middle school. Um, I was actually pretty good um, at gymnastics when I was younger, but I, it's been a long time since I've done this. And so I went outside <laughs> and I tried to do a curl. <laughs> it did not work. <laughs> I definitely fell, but my anxiety was gone. <laughs> how did you, how did you know how to help yourself? How were you able to access that idea? That's a really good question. Um, as a lot of trial and error, um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression for a long period of time in my life. Like even as a, I can even go back to being a teenager in middle school and not having the language to describe what that was, but just a, a disconnection from myself and my sense of self and my purpose. And um, I relate very strongly to what you're saying about walking away from who you are and how that's a journey too. And so you have to walk back who you are. And whenever I have moments that feel really bleak or empty or scary, uh, I try to think about what are the things that I have done in my life that have brought me joy Mm. that had nothing to do with what someone said I should do or where I thought I should be, but just, I felt that joy, that light in my body. And some of those things are me smelling a pie that I've just made. Some of those things are, uh, when I was a kid, I, I planted grass seeds in a little container at school and I brought it to my mom and I was like, look, it's a plant. I'm growing it. I'm growing it. And she laughed at me because she's like, you're growing grass. But I was little and I didn't quite understand the miracle of growing something from seed. And so I started trying to do those things that have brought me joy in the past in my adult life. So now I live on a farm and <laughs> I'm growing watermelons right now. They're struggling a little bit, but I, it is something I'm doing. And I say hi to them every day and I touch their leaves every day. And I get little sparks of like the unadulterated joy that I have felt in the past when no one was telling me how to feel. And Sometimes it takes a while too. Like I said before, I was meditating for a little bit before that idea came to me. Uh, I don't always get it right. Sometimes I feel really anxious for, it could be a couple of hours. I'm like, I just need to lie down. But I do know that whenever I do feel that way, I stop. I don't try to make big, important decisions or make progress in a really important project when I'm not feeling myself because the energy of whatever that is is going to infiltrate 
whatever it is that I'm trying to create. And I'm not trying to reverberate that energy. I need to come back to myself because the energy that I, like I am a a divine being having a human experience. So when I come back to who that is, that's the energy that I want to share with other people. That's the energy that I want to put into my work and my workshops, my podcast. That's the energy that I want to put into my relationship with my fiance and my building my dreams. So a short answer of how is I stop and I wait because the answer always comes. Yeah. Yeah. The pause is so valuable as a skill. And then I noticed this amazing question you ask yourself, right? So it's it's the pausing and noticing and naming. And then it's, what is something that has brought me joy without the influence of others? Mm -hmm. Which is such a beautiful question to shift gears and get your neurons firing on a totally different level and take yourself out of that moment. Yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful framework for your listeners. Oh, thanks. Anybody, anybody wants to use it, <laughs> please go for it. Please, like, I, I like to share these resources because it's taken me a long time to build these this infrastructure for myself, but it doesn't have, everyone doesn't need to struggle for these resources. A lot of us, I mean, I don't know what like your upbringing was like, but I did not learn how to self-regulate my mm-hmm. emotional state that wasn't a skill that was actively taught at my childhood. My parents did a wonderful job and they gave me everything that they could, but they were only operating off of what they had access to. Um, And so I consider it a gift that I've learned how to do these things for myself. And if there's any way that I can help someone else come back home to themselves, I want to, I want to share it. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and we have that in common. Uh, it's interesting, this, this framework that you're talking about, it's um, whether or not you're aware of it, it's, it's fact and data and science. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I love how you are um, naturally, instinctively doing it. But the data tells us that when we're in a negative place, right, like any, any negative emotion, whether it's anxiety, stress, anger, whatever, um, to pause, to name the thing, to label it, right? This is anxiety, this is sadness, this is anger, this is rage, whatever it is. And then to come back into your body in some way. And so for some people that's meditating, for others that's a cartwheel or um, smelling your watermelon leaves or touching them, right? It's something that engages your senses in some way. And then the third step is a reframe when you've sort of shifted your neural state. Um, and there's been lots of data and research on how like that's just those three steps can be really catalytic for, um, changing a negative state into a positive one. So you're already like instinctively doing that, but there, I mean, there's literally like months, years long courses that teach just that. Oh, amazing. Love to see it. The power of the reframe. <laughs> One of my old um, therapists actually taught me about reframing. And when she first brought it up, I was like, this sounds like bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to reframe when you're hijacked by that negative emotion. Right. And I love how you said, I don't make any decisions from that state. Mm. And it, you can't reframe from that state. I mean, try it. It's fucking impossible. <laughs> the state that you can reframe from is the giggly page who's just fallen after a cartwheel. <laughs> That's when you can reframe, right? When you've gotten out of that place in your body. Yeah, for sure. Um, so thank you for sharing your bit about joy and laughter and fun because that feels so imperative. Like even when it comes to thinking about thinking about creative solutions to the world's biggest problems, like violence, disconnection, sorrow, Mm -hmm. languish. Mm -hmm. I think about how much potential we have as our communities to really make creative moves that help us thrive outside of those limiting spaces when we just have a little bit of fun because when you're not taking yourself seriously, (laughs) that's when the, that's when the good stuff comes. Yes, I agree. Um, and we all know people take themselves very seriously, right? It's like, 
I think it's kind of an off-putting trait. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm all about silliness, self-deprecation, when a, you know, in in tasteful doses, right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's being silly and not taking yourself taking yourself seriously in the ways that matter, right? Like who you are, what you stand for, your soul, your connections to other people, your relationships, right? Take those things seriously. Yeah. Take your values seriously, not yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Awesome. Oh, speaking of values, we, I, I got you off course. You were talking about joy, but there are some other really good ones yeah. that I want people to hear. <laughs> and by the way, you can download the authenticity guide on my website. So the authenticityguide.com. Oh, perfect. And I'm, I'll put Julia's info in the show notes as well. So y'all can have access to it. Thanks, Paige. Yeah, so I'll, the, the six pillars are uh, fun, as we just talked about, health, which we just talked about, relationships, and relationships is, is you know, it's both your relationship with yourself and with others, career, service, which is your contributions to the outside world, uh, and money. Money's got to be a pillar, too, because our relationships with money um, are entrenched generally in our nuclear upbringing, are complicated, hold us back in many ways. And so having a, an, an intentional and a good relationship with money is, is a critical component of the six pillars. Okay, so I want to hear... <laughs> I'm jumping in because the money one sounds so, wow, what's the word I'm looking for? Sexy? Is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> ah, just because you're so right. There are so many challenging experiences and uh, conversations that we've built up around money. Just living in the United States, the capitalist capital of a capitalist world. <laughs> right. And... There is no way to build a positive relationship with something that you don't understand or something that you fear. And so mm -hmm. I love that money is one of your primary pillars with your authenticity guide work. Yeah. And I love how you just phrased that page. Like it's impossible to have a positive relationship with something you don't understand or that you fear. Absolutely. So a huge part of money is understanding what it is, how it can work for you, what your goals are and how to execute that. Um, it can be really comforting actually to have goals and then have a plan. What, what is enough? Like what, it, what is enough when you actually get intentional and critical about that question? Because <sighs> comparing ourselves to other people is, is something like just that we see every day. Right. I mean, honestly, even in the coaching, so full disclosure, I, um, I have an Instagram account where my assistant at, uh, and I, we, we run it together, but I don't ever log on um, because Instagram has become really toxic. For me as a coach, really, even just like, you know, how to get to a seven figure coaching business. And like, you're doing all this shit wrong if you're not there. And, um, and you just, you start, even those of us with a pretty decent sense of self can see other people's highlight reels and compare. And it can be really toxic, particularly around money and business and finance. And it's like, how am I failing if all of, you know, if this, this girl who's just like, selling, I don't know what she's selling, her blondness, <laughs> seven figure business. Like, what am I doing? Right. And so there's like, know what your toxic spaces are, know what spaces are toxic for you and intentionally extract yourself from those. Right. Like that is such a big part of being an adult. Right. I feel like you kind of reach this point for me. It was when I turned 30 where I was like, Oh, I can intentionally bow out of spaces that don't serve me virtual and otherwise that's a freeing thought, right? You don't have to be friends with someone who's a toxic person. You don't have to be on Instagram if it's toxic for you. You don't have to do any of this, but you have to first, like you said, Paige, like name it. Yeah. The, the power to bow out mm -hmm. is something that I'm still learning for myself right now of, I don't owe anyone anything right. other than myself. Right. And when I am sabotaging myself by being in spaces that don't serve me, by putting myself down, it's showing myself that I don't respect myself, that I don't think that I'm worthy of a fulfilling life, of feeling joy, of feeling love, of feeling valued and valuable. And I would like to treat myself better than that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. the self-compassion lens. 
to bowing out, right? Yeah. You're not disappointing others. You're letting yourself down. Absolutely. Um, these are such good tools. I highly, highly recommend that you download Julia's authenticity guide because there is something that you can learn from this. And I love that you break it down into a, a beautiful pie chart of, because when I saw it for the first time, I actually thought about where I can grow mm -hmm. and separating my experience here on this planet into different and sort of into different, you know, sections of the pie so that when something that isn't going as well as I'd like it to be, or isn't as fulfilling as I want it to be, I don't shit on everything else because everything else is actually going really well. There's just this one aspect of my life that I want to improve on. And so instead of being hard on myself and saying, oh, I'm a failure because, oh, my life is horrible because um, my relationships aren't as fulfilling as I want them to be, but your career and your life and your joy and all these other things are going really well. That's, that's information, that's data. And that's showing you where you can put your excess or diverted energy. So really thank you for breaking them down and just, it really brings back into something you were saying earlier about what your skills are of really synthesizing information. Like that is a gift because when I think about the world, I live very much in the sky, right? <laughs> I'm very much in the sky and I love it here. And then things are ambiguous and things transition all the time. And that can be really fun and bubbly. And also when it comes to, um, really breaking down things and okay, now you have to make action items. Now you have to make actual changes. That is where I struggle a little bit. So thank you for doing that work and help giving people the tools to really make positive changes in their lives. Well, thank you for saying all these kind things about it. I mean, I think I completely resonate with what you've said about when something's wrong, our tendency to globalize it to like life is bad and everything's bad. There is something that's soothing about creating discrete compartments and it helps with problem solving because like you said right like if a relationship isn't going well or in a, in a conflict with someone right it tends to be all consuming and we get anxiety but then when we kind of can zoom back and say listen actually these other categories like I'm putting in work and I'm seeing the fruits of the labor you know this is a sixth of the pie it puts it in perspective yeah. And shows you that you actually are winning. You're winning. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And I think like I created the tool that I needed. <laughs> right. And then sometimes when you, when you key into that, or like, this is what I needed and so many different points of my life. And let me see if this is just a me thing or, or do other people also see value in it. And I think oftentimes when you get real and authentic and say like, I needed this, I didn't have it let me see, then other, other people tend to relate. What was the experience that encouraged you to make an actual guide that um, outlined these compartments of living, so to speak? There wasn't one experience. Um, it was more like holistically over time seeing how unhappy I was and how scattered I felt in all of these different arenas. And um, I, at different points in my life, was trying to combine too many categories into one thing, and it was creating unhappiness. And so a perfect example of that is, and, and this looks different for everyone, right? That's why it's an individual authenticity guide assessment. But for me, my second career I mentioned was in the social impact space. And so that was combining a lot of the, that was combining career. It was combining service. It was combining my relationship with money, right? Cause those jobs don't pay as well. Um, and it was too much for me. Like I am a, like a social justice individual, but something I learned about myself that I wouldn't have been able to learn unless I did it was that working in social impact, tying my career and my money directly to some of that deep social impact work made me miserable wow, what a powerful thing to name, right? Yeah. I don't have to cram all the things I care about into one thing. I can separate them out and that makes me happier. That makes me whole. That makes me fuller, right? So 
I have a career that it, it's not, you know, social justice. It's it's meaningful to me and it's aligned with what I believe and I care about it wholeheartedly. I'm passionate about it, but my service work is completely separate from my career, right? I sit on boards for organizations I care about, right? That, that's not, that's, there's no financial exchange and that's what's great for me, right? I have to be involved in my community. I have to be involved in causes like, you know, racial equity, um, gender equity, right? Like equity in general, right? For everyone. Um, like those are the things I freaking care about. I don't want to tie them to my career. And then when I do that, I disentangle the idea of money from social impact because then I'm in control of the money I make in my business. And so that distinction was a game changer for me in terms of my happiness. Um, and, and, you know, I've struggled with health issues over the years and those impact your ability to have fun and your ability to have relationships. And, and right. So it's, it was really like over time, what are these discrete categories that have affected me and that I need to be intentional about focusing on individually rather than altogether. I love that more people need to hear that you can be involved in your community and sharing your gifts with the world and not tie it to financial output. Absolutely. Yeah, that I that really resonated for me because I have worked in the nonprofit space before and also struggled with that. Uh, because when you're building your career, boundaries absolutely number one necessary. And especially if you're working for someone else, being very clear about what you can and cannot give, what you will and will not do, fundamental. And it can be challenging to walk that boundary line when what you're doing for money is also what you're doing for your soul and what you're doing for your community. And I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. I call this the social impact tax. Mm. because it is a tax. I mean, you're, you're literally getting paid less, but then the expectation by leadership, oftentimes in these organizations, I'm globalizing, but in my experience, the expectation is that you won't have boundaries because you're working for a cause that's important to the world. Mm. And so how dare you have boundaries? How dare you put yourself first? Because this work is so much more important. That is unhealthy. That's toxic. That's a recipe for burnout on top of already being underpaid, right? Um, social impact tax is, is a very real thing. Um, and I will say the, the, most common, like if you were to say, what is the most common issue that, you know, female emerging leaders, people you mostly coach face, I would say 100,000% far and away boundaries. That's the word. If you, I mean, that is, (laughs) that is most of the time what I end up working on with people. What are your boundaries? How do you stay true to them? And that that word means such different things to different people, but it's like, what are all the things in this pie in the authenticity guide that you value? How are you incorporating them into your life? Saying no to the things that do not serve you and saying yes to the things that do. That's what creates a happy life, happy boundaries. Simple. It's kind of simple, but really hard to execute. Yeah, because in order to do that, you have to know what you actually want. And we've been conditioned to not do what we want. And we've been conditioned to think that if we do what we want, it's not sustainable. If we follow our truth, we will be destitute or there's not a market for it or people will reject us. But the thing is, when you say no to the things that don't serve you, you make room for all the things that do that you haven't been allowing into your life because you've been trying to be someone that you're not. Yeah, well said. And I would add guilt is a big thing that I see, right? If I say yes to myself, I feel guilty because I'm not serving others. But I think we discount the fact that when we show up authentically in a way that's real, in a way that's rested, we actually serve the people around us better. I agree with that. Guilt and shame really are such useless, (laughs) useless emotions. Can we get rid of them? I wish, but you know, they, they make comfortable homes inside of us for lifetimes for people this insidious these insidious little secrets that just um they they thrive on um not being talked about (laughs) and um you know shame breeds more shame and yeah I wish we could I wish we could eliminate shame and it's hard to talk about the things that we feel ashamed of right Mm -hmm. it's our deepest darkest secrets yeah 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can you share, like, as we're, as we're thinking about, you know, living authentically, really knowing who you are, making decisions that have your best interests in mind and being true to them, like a practice that's helping you discover who you are? Yeah, that's a, and that's a great way to bring it full circle, honestly, because we talked about the word journey at the beginning too, right? That this isn't a, a destination. You know, even when you see people who like seem to have all their shit together, they're on a journey too, right? Like we're all just trying to get closer to who we authentically are. And there's really no arrival because we're always changing, um, especially if we're curious. Um, so I, I have a really amazing board of directors. Um, and what I mean by that is I have people who I surround myself with, who as a group look very cognitively diverse from each other and have my back in different ways. And so I always have external social sounding boards for ideas, but I also make a lot of time for reflection and introspection. It sounds like you do too, Paige. The the journaling is a wonderful practice. I have a therapist, um, and uh, I think a lot of people like it's, it's a therapist, it's a coach, right? Like what in your life is one hour a week or a month or every other week where it is just about you, where there's no need for reciprocity. There's no need to give back where you don't have to feel selfish or guilty for just talking about you and exploring you pay someone to do it, a coach or a therapist, right? Like if that feels more comfortable for you, for many of us, it does. What is your one hour that you're giving as the gift to yourself to hear, to hear yourself say what's been going on with you and to process it? Because we like the pause button doesn't automatically get pressed for us. We have to intentionally press it. And so for me, it's an ongoing commitment to introspection and engaging my board of directors around me. Um, and then the, and then the last thing, which is um, like on my website, it says like I am um, the self-described like queen of sleep. I sleep so much. I sleep so much. And I'm, I'm, I, yes. where I was like done apologizing for it. You know, there's, um, there's this graph where it's like the number of the, it's the, uh, the distribute, the normal distribution curve on how much sleep people need. And, you know, these freaks over here who need three hours of sleep, I hate you all. You know, most people are in kind of the seven, six to eight, we'll call it arrows. And then there's like these pieces of shit over here who need like 10 or more. And I am one of these pieces of shit. <laughs> I am so far on that spectrum, right? Like I need, honestly, like let's get, I need 10 to 12 hours of sleep a night. And it's really hard to do that when you work for someone else. Um, it's it's hard to do it, but I always put that first. And when I don't put it first, I notice and everything crumbles. And so I go to bed really early, like geriatrically early. I love geriatric dinner. I love a 5 PM dinner (laughs) and and a bedtime. Like I'm not an evening person. And I'm not a morning person, right? Like I'm not, and like being honest about that um, has really set me free because I don't apologize for needing a nap. I don't apologize for needing to bounce from the bar early, like the once a year I go to a bar now, um, right? Like so, those are the th- those are the things. Like it's it's sleep and rest, and not apologizing for needing sleep and rest. It's the people around me, and it's my introspection time with my therapist and myself. I'm so here for the geriatric sleep timeline. <laughs> um, I recently joined. 5am club. What is that? It sounds like hell. It's people who wake up at 5am. Okay. But in order to do that consistently, you have to go to bed at nine o'clock. Well, I do because I'm one of my case 5pm. <laughs> yes. Um, because I'm one of the people who, like, if I'm doing, if I'm being honest with myself, I need eight to nine hours of sleep. And so I guarantee myself eight and sometimes I get a little bit more and I'm like, yes, amazing. Um, I very quickly found out that I hate waking up at 5 a.m. So I uh, compromised with myself and made it six. <laughs> um, and that's something I'm learning to not apologize for, because in order to do that consistently, I have to go to bed at nine o'clock. Can I ask what, um, why did you set this intention? Like, what about this was appealing to you? I discovered that my prime creative moments are between the hours of seven and 11. Gorgeous. So intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I also love the mornings. I I love when the sun first comes up and everything is still and the birds start singing. I feel like I'm one with the world. (laughs) And also my fiance 
is a night owl. And so she'll go to bed maybe midnight, 1am. And so she wakes up later. And so that is a time, especially in this, because we were both working remotely right now where it's just for me. There's no one awake except me and my cat. And I can do my meditation. I can do my exercise. I can do really intense dreaming about what I want for my future, whether that is podcast guests that I want to bring on and building out my online community for not yet or brainstorming ideas for my next book, whatever it may be. It's just me. And I'm prioritizing that for myself. So that means I got to get up. Mm. Yeah. I love how intentional that is. And I, I also really love how you're touching on something poignant. I know we're coming up at time here, but that is that in, in COVID, um, anyone who's in a relationship and we've like, you know, been cohabitating and working at home, right? Like oftentimes we're not getting the alone thinking time that we need. And so that's a good challenge for your listeners too, right? It's like, no matter how much you love your partner, um, no matter how much you enjoy spending time together, you're a better partner when you have alone time to think and process and be with yourself and build your relationship with yourself, because then it just gets that much better with your person. Julia, that's a whole podcast episode. That's a whole podcast. I agree. And I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that we are in community with one another. I'm so grateful for your big, beautiful brain that you get so much sleep and you prioritize it and that you are really out here empowering and supporting this next generation of leaders. Thank you, Paige. It's been an honor. I'm so thrilled to be in each other's lives. You can't see, but I'm crying a little bit. Um, where can we find you? Can you give us a little shout out or a sneak peek of what you're building and where we can find you online? Yeah. So um, definitely check out my website, theauthenticityguide.com. I've got a bunch of freebies on there for you. You can download the authenticity guide that we've been talking about. I have a career confidence mantra freebie. That's a really fun one. And, I'm, and please tell me if you download that one, what your mantra is that you come up with. Um, I am these days... Uh, see growing my corporate business. So I'm working a lot more with corporations. So that's a great way to engage with me. Um, and I'm doing a lot of speaking back on the in-person keynote uh, circuit, which is so fun and energizing for me. Uh, and, and so those are the things that I'm up to uh, in addition to continually sleeping. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community. I'll see you next week.